Hey there. Before we get to the conversation, we wanted to tell you about the Getting Smart Smart Update. Do you love hearing about new innovations in learning? Every week, we send out a newsletter blast to thousands of leaders in the field that highlights what we're thinking about, what we're excited about, and of course, the most innovative things in education. If you're not on the list yet, then we'd love to have you. Sign up for the newsletter at gettingsmart.com slash smartupdate. All right, let's jump in. You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast. I'm Tom Vanderark, and today I'm joined by two uh, amazing business leaders, Christine Ricci and Leo Morton. Uh, they're both from Kansas City, and I recently had the pleasure uh, of chatting with them at a Kauffman Foundation-sponsored real-world learning conference. Uh, for the last five years, Christine has served as CEO of PhoneMedic. You may know it uh, as you break iFix, uh, electronics repair uh, network. Uh, Christine is also launching a new venture back in um, in health tech, and we'll talk about that a little later. She's got 20 years of executive leadership in, in healthcare and technology with a bunch of great companies in Kansas City, uh, including HCA, Cerner, and Sprint. Hi, Christine. Hi. Great to have you here. And Leo Morton is a legend in Kansas City. He's a private equity investor and president of the DeBruce Companies, uh, a private uh, family office that manages a diverse investment portfolio. Leo started as an engineer at AT&T and served in a number of executive roles in both manufacturing and engineering. And in between, uh, he, he spent almost a decade as the chancellor of the University of Missouri, Kansas City. Uh, Leo, it's a real pleasure to have you on the Getting Smart podcast. It's great to be with you again. Um, Leo, you started as an engineer. Um, maybe you could talk about your transition from engineering uh, to to administration. What interested you? What propelled you from a, an engineering role into a, an executive role? Well, I, I had played a, a number of executive roles in the corporate world, and I uh, I thought I was retiring in about 2008 and was asked if I would serve as interim chancellor at UMKC uh, for about six months while they searched for a new chancellor. And after about four months, they asked me to stay. I did, and it turned into um, uh, nine years of assignment there. But but the I, I think the transition was uh, probably sparked by the fact that I spent a lot of time volunteering for a number of of uh, organizations around Kansas City. I was, uh, in fact, I was uh, chairman of the board of trustees for the University of Missouri at Kansas City, uh, serving in the third term of what was supposed to be one term. And um, uh, so I was very familiar with, with the university and they were familiar with me. So it just it just worked. Leo, is it harder running a big energy company or a university? Well, I would say the difference is usually um, it's governance, right? At at a large corporation that you have a you have a board of directors appointed by the that uh, represent the shareholders who appoint the CEO, and from the CEO on down, it's uh, it's an issue of command and control. The CEO says we're going in this direction, and that's the way it works. Uh, but it, at the university, it's it's something called shared governance. 
And in that case, what it typically means is that everyone wants to participate in the decision, but if there's a prison term at the end, you're, you're kind of on your own. There's a limit to the sharing. Uh, but uh, I, I would say that at the university, you will find some of the most committed people I've ever worked with in my life. They care about what they're doing. They care about the students and, uh, and they make us all better. Leo, I, I know the, the whole Kansas City region really appreciates your, your leadership at, at UMKC. Christine, um, in, in our research, I found out that you're a volleyball star. I didn't, I didn't, know, I didn't know about that, but what, 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 um, what skills, mindsets do, do you think you learned as a, as a D1 um, athlete that have been valuable to this day? Yeah, so volleyball uh, was really my ticket out of Chicago. Um, so grew up in a, my mother raised us, grew up with a total of six kids and, and really to go on to college, um, sports was the way to do that. So it taught me, uh, it taught me perseverance. It taught me um, resiliency. Uh, it taught me the value of athletics and athletics as a means to really learn those values and virtues that help make you successful later in life and in really um, in the business world. And I didn't realize it, definitely didn't realize it at the time, but as I continued to progress, um, really reflected back on coaches and mentors and, and the softer skills that I learned um, through the discipline of sports. And then you, so you became a nurse and then you did an MBA and um, you, you, you made your way to, uh, to the executive ranks. I think it was in healthcare first, right? Right, right. Uh, with uh, HCA um, and Rick Scott at the time when he was part of HCA. So uh, Christine, I'm, I, I wonder if you could um, reflect, we're, we're going to talk today about real world learning, the, the big initiative in Kansas City, but I, I'd love to have you both reflect on your, your sense now of what young people um, need to know and be able to do. When you think about your last five years um, of running a, a network of retail outlets, you think about the sort of unit managers that you're that you're trying to hire and cultivate. What what skills were most important to you? I I would have to say it was the softer skills. Um, we could teach the harder skills. So we could teach uh, anybody to fix an iPhone, a Samsung, uh, a computer. Um, so the trade part of it was the easy part, the softer skills such as uh, de-escalating a customer, uh, communication with teammates, uh, how to confront challenges and and work through those challenges versus um, seeing a challenge and and running running away from the challenge. So it was more of those um, softer skills that were the things that we we looked for, but even more so what we what we coached to. If if we could get an individual that was coachable, 
that we could teach how to communicate, uh, that we could teach how to, to see a challenge as an opportunity and, and to build that critical thinking. That's um, really where we try to, to build the talent base, but also the gift we tried to give back to individuals that came into our organization, knowing that those, those are not only gifts that you can transfer from job to job, but they're also things that you use in, in everyday life. Christine, were, were you hiring people with degrees as well as people without uh, degrees in, in your last executive role? Yeah, most of our employees uh, did not have degrees. I would say at least probably 95% uh, did not have degrees. And are, do you think your organization got better during the five years you were there at, um, at identifying critical skills and, and hiring for those skills? Definitely. Um, initially, when we started, we thought it was all about the, the hard skills. And, and to a certain extent, it was. But when we looked at what's truly going to grow the business, but also what's truly going to make a difference with those that we served, it uh, for the customers, it was about the experience. And, and the experience was really about how, how, they, how they were managed, that you could actively listen. Um, you could solve their problem and then educate them after the, the fact. So they walked away with not just a, a fixed phone, but a, a trusted partner. All right. We're going to come back and talk about entrepreneurship in a minute, but I, I want to get Leo in here. Um, Leo, maybe you could give folks a sense of the scope of the kinds of businesses that are in the uh, DeBruce portfolio. It's a, it's a pretty broad uh, portfolio, right? Exactly. It, it ranges from, uh, from biotech. I mean, we, we have a, um, a clinical trial in a, uh, with a cancer drug. Uh, we have a, a school for, um, and, a, and group homes for people with autism. Uh, we have a startup that is producing a diagnostic for COVID and for uh, foodborne pathogens. We have another company that is developing an alternative energy solution, another company that has a technology that is uh, revolutionizing sports and um, bringing technology to that. So, th so the portfolio is quite uh, broad. Um, I may have mentioned to you before that when I first joined, I, I mentioned to Paul, I, you know, Paul, if we could have this portfolio a little more narrow, I can figure out when to say no quicker or when to say maybe quicker. But but now after looking at it, I, I really like the fact that we're fairly agnostic. We know a good deal when we see it. I've had a very, I've worked in maybe seven different industries, so I've got a very, uh, I've been blessed to have a very broad background, so I don't get lost in a lot of things, but uh, can really uh, tell in my, in my advanced years what um, what a good business looks like. So this is a hard question given all the different kinds of businesses that you have, but maybe across your portfolio, you could 
you could give us a sense of the, the skills that are becoming more important, particularly for uh, younger people at uh, in your companies? Right. I, I would agree with everything that Christine said. I mean, one way I would put it is, you know, young people need to have a, um, a good tool belt. You know, um, that tool belt needs to have all of the educational skills that one has brings to the table. But the future is has so many surprises in it. You have to be pretty agile in order to um, address the changes. Find ways to use those skills you've acquired. Learn every day. Live with a sense of purpose and be purpose-driven. And um, you'll find that more opportunities come your way. I had no way of planning. Um, I, I couldn't have dreamed about the kinds of things I've been uh, fortunate enough to be a part of. But it's all because, you know, you, you have to be flexible. You have to, you know, give it your all wherever you go. But I, I, I just have to reinforce the things that Christine mentioned about the kinds of fundamental skills one has to have and, and always develop. I happen to be 76 years old to, right now, but I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed about what I didn't know yesterday, you know, because, you know, you're learning all the time. And um, there's a, um, uh, I think young people today are facing uh, lots of uncertainties in terms of how things might evolve, but that's also exciting. You just need to be flexible uh, and um, make sure you have the fundamentals uh, in order to address the the opportunities that arise. Thank you, Leo. I, I want to riff on this a little bit more. Um, both of you have have worked in really large organizations, but you've you've migrated to a point of entrepreneurship. Um, Christine, you you now have this really interesting role where you you build businesses to sell, and you're getting ready to step into a, a new role, and you're moving back to healthcare. But you've really developed an entrepreneurial mindset where you have trained yourself to think about what doesn't exist but could be be possible. I'm wondering how you think you developed that entrepreneurial mindset and maybe what we could do to help kids keep or create that in, in themselves. Yeah, I think the entrepreneurial mindset, I think, goes back to a lot of problem solving. And so if I think about my earlier childhood, um, a lot of, of what I had to do was, was problem solving. And so it wasn't the straight math problem or um, the anatomy problem. Those were all good and foundational but it was really the complexity of how things worked together. And so really having a passion, and, and a passion's a big part of it, um, really having a passion for solving problems, I, I think gives you a good foundation going into large businesses because in large businesses, whether you know with Cerner or HCA or, or Sprint, 
getting thrown into complex issues or at problems was fun and enjoyable. And, and therefore you're always stri- striving to solve, 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 solve. Take that over into the entrepreneurial world. Once you understand the basics of accounting, marketing, sales, operations, those type of things that you learn from the large businesses in the entrepreneurial world, as long as you still have that passion for solving problems and, and, and you're able to do it, there are so many entrepreneurial opportunities out there. If, if the passion doesn't exist for that, though, it's not necessarily a path you would want to go down or you would want to align with somebody that has that passion because I feel like so much of entrepreneurism is um, solving problems and solving complex problems. Leo, it's interesting that uh, you, you've worked in big businesses and run a university. You wouldn't think of those as having a real entrepreneurial mindset, but you, you spend all day, every day working in, in an entrepreneurial way um, these days. How, how do you think you're able to keep that fresh and, and develop it uh, late in your career? Well, I, I believe I owe it all to my roots. I uh, My father uh, was an entrepreneur. I um, At 12 years old, 64 years ago, I started working with my father in Morton's Upholstery company in Birmingham, Alabama. And it was at the, uh, in that shop where I learned almost everything that I know about business today. When he took me out on a sale, uh, we, um, we, we kind of, um, won a job to upholster a, a, a chair. We brought it back to the shop. Uh, I upholstered the chair we took it back. The lady paid, and um, I got—I was paid. So immediately, I knew how the economy worked, right? And uh, that has stayed with me. As I may have mentioned, the—I might have a master's degree in business from MIT, but the best business school I ever attended was Morton's Upholstery. So, it, so it's in—it's in my—it's in, my, in my DNA. Uh, but one of the things I also learned working there was. That's not what I wanted to do, right? So I, I, I understand what it takes to be an entrepreneur, but I knew that that was not the kind of thing I wanted to focus on trying to make payroll every week, right? Uh, so you're right. My brother and I are both engineers. Um, I worked for Bell Labs, AT&T, General Motors, Rust Engineering, um, at and all the rest, but, um, uh, it's, I'm now in a position where I can take everything that I've learned from all of those assignments and really help the entrepreneurs who really, in many cases, um, it's not that you have to help them redesign the product. Um, it's, it's all about how to, um, manage the the myriad of issues that they can that they are confronted with every day and i really enjoy it i've um um i had the opportunity to to be of help to them so what what brought us together was the real world learning initiative in kansas city i think the three of us are big fans of that effort there's 75 high schools and 31 systems that are 
implementing real world learning, and that includes client connected projects, uh, work experiences like internships, but it also includes entrepreneurial experience. It's probably the biggest effort in America trying to encourage entrepreneurship. Christine, um, do you want to talk about any one of those internships, client projects, entrepreneurial experiences? Which of those do you feel strongly about? Yeah, so um, I I can hit on two fronts. One would be um, as far as working with school systems and and students, uh, oftentimes when they would they would come into our organization and do um, internships or spend a semester with us. They they were typically going down a specific route such as technology but we knew what their growth plan was working hand in hand with their school system and and their teachers we knew what those developmental areas were and and that's where we focused our our coaching our mentorship and um their experiences and and really did a lot of uh, real-time coaching. Um, definitely put them in situations that were uncomfortable situations, and that's what it was all about, like being comfortable, uh, getting comfortable, being uncomfortable, but also uh, we would let them fail, in, in, fail in a safe way, but really leverage it as an opportunity to, to coach, mentor, and and give them real world experiences. So they were, they were in a trusted environment. They were in a protected environment, but we allowed them to get uncomfortable and to really get that, um, that real world hands on experience. And, and oftentimes what they came in, like they're very different when, when they left and, and they were excited and they were passionate and, and I, you know, who knows what their journey was going to be, but, but now they had a journey and, and really it was, it was rewarding for the students, the teachers, uh, but everybody that, that helped to grow and groom that individual. Leo, why do you think real world learning is, uh, is important in Kansas city? Well, I, I think it's important everywhere because I've had it myself and I, I owe a lot to it and probably comes from several things. One, I, I, have a deep appreciation for how I uh, ended up where I am today. Uh, secondly, I, I think I mentioned to you that I have a, um, my oldest daughter was in high school and I asked her what she wanted to do. And she said she wanted to be an entertainment lawyer. So I thought I was doing her a favor. I had her spend the day with a lawyer friend of mine and she came home and said, well, I'm not doing that. Well, she saw herself. She's she's a very outgoing person. So she saw a, a person sitting at a desk with piles of paper. She did not see that herself doing that. So that experience turned her in a different direction, and she's doing great now. But the other one was at, at, after being at a university. I know that out of well, we had a population of maybe sixteen thousand students, and and probably thirty-five percent of them actually knew what they wanted to do. One of the things I wanted to do was put internships on steroids at the university because 
I wanted those students to have those experiences, to understand what the work experience was like, not just the title of the job, but what is the work experience? What is the work experience for an engineer, for, for a teacher, for, for anyone? Uh, and, and is that the kind of work experience you will enjoy and, and, and accelerate in? So to me, having, if you've been there and done that and you enjoyed it, you're more likely to understand the importance of the education, the relationship of the cl- that you have with the classes and the work that you intend to do, and the outcome will just be superior. Leo, uh, like you, I was talking to the folks at the Coffin Foundation today, and they said at the beginning of this initiative, in many of the school districts, only 20 or 30% of young people were getting real-world learning. There's internships, client projects, college credit opportunities, much less an entrepreneurial experience. So this is really an equity initiative to get every kid uh, those kinds of experiences. I I think you and I both think that's an important part of this story, right? Absolutely, because I I would tell you, I I participated with Bell Laboratories when I worked there and recruiting talent for for AT&T and Bell Laboratories. But I'll tell you this, in today's world, I think most companies realize that they cannot sit on the sideline and wait to see what comes out of the universities and the high schools and trade schools and the like. They have to get more involved. And and that means putting together, um, it's, it's sort of try them before you buy them, right? It's, uh, it's how do you give them the kind of experience that that they learn from, but also it's a benefit to the to the corporation as well. They get a chance to learn how they need to uh, fashion the environment in the company so that they will be more attractive to these young folks coming out. I, I feel like it's also a mindset, though, that if if when you're if when you're young and coming in, and in school if you can learn the value of real world learning and experience and, and appreciate the, the coaching and the mentorship and you set yourself up for that for every stage of your career, like you are going to accelerate so much more. And, and if I think about, think about Leo, like Leo is still doing real world learning. Like he, he still has his entourage of students that he is teaching about what the real world is, and they are learning and prospering from his knowledge and his experiences. So it starts in the school system, but if you can, if you can appreciate it and, and build upon it, it doesn't it doesn't end. Christine, you've you've had a chance to work in tech and healthcare and retail. Um, what what kind of advice could you offer to schools that want? Uh, a stronger partnership with business. I think it's I think it's simple in that uh, just reach out and and have the conversation. It um, oftentimes the businesses they are really supportive of the school systems and and they do want to support students coming in and learning. So for school systems, I would say just just reach out and and have the conversation with those businesses that align with what you're looking for. And then the second thing I would say is just figure out how to make it easy for the business. 
um, some of the some of the school systems that I was approached by, it, it was really, really complex. And so a lot of time was wasted and we really didn't accomplish much. But for other school systems that came in, we, we figured out pretty quickly it was a match. And then they basically said, who do I need to work with? We'll make it happen. And it, it was very, very, it was simple. It was fast. And uh, within a week or two weeks, we could make things happen. Leah, what advice would you give to school and system leaders on partnering? Well, it, it, to me, it's all about the objective. The objective is to give the student a, um, a real world learning experience that has value. And I think, and as I pointed out before, it's also about value to the uh, employer as well, uh, because there's a little enlightened self-interest here. You have to invest in order to benefit long-term. But I would say it, it is difficult. Um, one, the thing that I learned at the university was that um, even at the university, you had to prepare the student uh, before so that they understood how how to dress, how to act, what was the right way to perform in the in the at the environment. You have to provide support for the student while the student is there. They will run into issues in the in the assignment, and you have to be prepared to support them there. And and then there's after, right? And on the corporate side, many corporations, unlike Christie's, I mean. They, they, they're willing to volunteer, but they don't know how to design a good experience for the student. And it's not, in many cases, in the past, it wasn't necessarily a winning, it wasn't a project that the company really felt was important. And, uh, you know, it's, it wasn't, you know, making copies, but in some cases it wasn't much better. And, and so working with the company uh, to do, to design that good experience, making sure the company benefits uh, from that experience is is also a part of the 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 total value proposition. Both of you are such treasured uh, business leaders in Kansas City. Uh, we really appreciate your contribution to the business community and your many contributions to the education community, particularly your leadership on real world learning. I just want to say, Christine and Leo, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. It's a, it was a great honor to be asked and um, uh, you're doing great work here. Thank you. You've been listening to the Getting Smart Podcast. I'm Tom Vanderark. Uh, keep learning, keep innovating for equity. Thanks for tuning into the Getting Smart Podcast today. We want this podcast to be actionable, insightful, and a great way to learn about what's next in learning. In order to stay on the cutting edge, we need people in the field to tell us what they're hearing, what they're wanting, and what they're needing to learn more about. Got a topic or a guest in mind? Send your recommendations to me, Mason at gettingsmart.com. And if you